Hey folks, it's Jeff Fuzzy Wenzel from Pre-IPO Hype, and you're listening to a new episode of Tales of the Startup Journey. Here we go. Let's turn it up. Crowdfunders, how is everybody doing out there in the absolute beautiful and wonderful land of crowdfunding? You know that place where you go out and you ask your friends and family for money, maybe even invest in your company. You know, that magical space. Well, that's what we're talking about today. So we're going to be talking to uh, Blackland Distilleries. We're going to be hearing all about the, this amazing distillery down in Fort Wayne, uh, Texas. Fort Worth, Texas. Fort Wayne, what am I talking about? Fort Worth, Texas. Um, but that's going to be coming up here in just a little bit. We're going to get into that. Like I said, I had a great, great conversation with Marcos, um, uh, CEO of the company. And um, yeah, we're going to get into those weeds here in just a little bit. But for right now, we're going to kind of chat a little bit about what's going on over at One Ones Away. Well, we just got done with a power little winter break. Kids were all off last week. Spent a couple days at Kalahari Water Park thing in Ohio. Sandusky, Ohio to be exact. And, um, you know, uh, got to go there with uh, the kids. The kids brought friends. And then, of course, what else do you bring your mom, right? I brought my mom with me. This was all her idea, mind you. Let's just break that down here. Cookie wanted to take us to Kalahari for a couple days. Um, and I held out for a while. And then eventually I was like, all right, I'll do this. We'll go. We'll bite. We'll get into this. Now, with all that said, of course, my mom has now complained about the price and, you know, and the process of checking out and, you know, hanging out with my mom for a couple of days, realizing that she is an absolute ball of anxiety and everything is challenging. You might be able to hear me kind of navigating my brow here. You can hear me kind of rubbing my forehead. Yeah, so we had a little bit of that. Now, the other gift that was nice about this is about 45 seconds into leaving Kalahari, this is on Wednesday of last week, I pull out and make a left, and it's a four-lane highway like um, with a middle turn, I think, something like that. So I pull out and, you know, just get up to speed, right? Just take off. Now, granted, we're driving the white whale. And if you don't know what the white whale is, the white whale is um, my uh, my wife's parents' Ford Flex that we took over. Um, it's like a 12-year-old, 13-year-old car with like no miles on it, which is great, but it's C8, so we take that. So I got the white whale. So I get in and I just speed up, right? I just get going with the flow of traffic and boom, like within a minute, cop pulls me over. I mean, you know, I got the bracelet still on. I got I got one kid still in shorts, still in a swimsuit behind the scenes. You know, this cop is like, you know, man, yeah. Um, yeah, the, people, uh, this, people drive real fast on this road. I'm like, yeah, no, I get it because everybody was like flying. So, you know, I was doing 70. Turns out yeah, the speed limit's 55. And there wasn't anybody doing 55 miles per hour. I assure you that there was nobody. So got that ticket. Um, it's going to be about 150 bucks. I'm going to be sending that check out here in a couple days, um, which is a gift, just an absolute gift. Right. And again, and did this cop give me a break? Did he say, listen, I'm, you're going 15 over. I'm going to mark you for five because this is a uh, pretty busy. Of course not. I'm from Michigan. I just got done with vacation. It's like free money, man. It's like he printed, he printed money on me. So I got that uh happening which was just like i said an absolute gift other interesting things about this trip um and mind you this is a mini trip this is like maybe an hour and a half away from from where i live so it's not like it's a massive trip you know the other thing is i am um walking out to the parking lot to to pick up all the bags right so when you get there you have to wait until the hotel room is open but you can start swimming at like right away right so we start swimming immediately like noon or something like that um, but then I have to go get the bags when the hotel room's ready. So I go get the bags and I'm walking out in this massive, massive parking lot, like, you know, like five football fields, just this huge, huge parking lot. And all of a sudden I hear fuzzy. Is that you? Is that you fuzzy? And I'm like, what? what? Nobody should know me here. You know, I'm blending in. And there it is. It's an old worship pastor from the old 242 gig. Now, if you don't know what 242 is, if you're a new listener, that was, um, the church I worked at for about 10 years doing live sound. 
just under 10 years that I worked there. And so this guy was a worship pastor. God, this must be two years, over two years ago. And then he was only there for maybe a couple of years. But yeah, so I, I run into him, right? Out in the middle of the parking lot as I'm moving bags around. So I get to sit and chat with him for a little bit. You know, relive the past, the glory days about mixing live sound. Um, so I had that conversation. And then we get in the park and we end up running into like three or four other people from our neighborhood and stuff. I mean, it was, it was quite wild how many people we knew, um, you know, on this little mini quick little Tuesday, Wednesday vacay last week. Um, so yeah, so we had all that. That was last week, you know, winter break. And again, I think the kids are off in like two more weeks for spring break. So it's just, it's wild. Actually, it's wild how much time these kids get off, man. It really is. What else is going on? Oh man, I sit at soccer 24 seven right now. That's the other thing is Addie's, I, I don't even know if he's on two teams or one team. I have no real idea. I, he's officially on one team, but he's like practicing with another team and, and he switched to goalie. So we've got that going on. Ad, Atticus is my son. Again, you, some of you might be first time listeners. I forgot my, my son is Atticus. My daughter's Neve. Wife is Aaron. Um, but yeah, so he is, uh, yeah, he's like practicing and doing some stuff with this A team, but he's officially on the B team just means double practices so I sit a, I sit a lot now at the old uh, at soccer I was always sitting a lot I'm excited though for him you know he's uh he's getting he's getting better you know he's gotten actually he's gotten really good <laughs> recently um you know he looks like an athlete which is nice and he's starting a weight training program you guys gotta see this I've never actually seen my kid lift weights so that's happening um so we got a lot of stuff man those are the those are the kind of the big big new things um Still dealing with uh, the old, my grandma, the kid's great grandma. Um, you know, we're navigating those waters in terms of, of, of her being home now. So, and we had, a, my sister and I had to kind of step in as the caretakers. So we're navigating those waters, which is a lot. This is a lot of family stuff. Now I'm thinking about a lot of family stuff. So it's, yeah, just a lot of family. Ugh. But yeah, that's why I think I'm, you know, having a glass of bourbon a lot here. Speaking of bourbon, that's what we're going to be talking about on this episode, man. Um, yeah, sitting with Marcus, it was a really, really, really good conversation. Um, you know, obviously I spent a lot of time in the, I don't know about obviously, again, you guys might not know some of this stuff. I spent a good amount of time in the brewery, brewery world um, and just kind of know how that world works. But the distillery world, I don't know anything about that. And so this conversation was truly enlightening for me of like, what what does it look like? What's the ups and downs of running a brewery, excuse me, a distillery? You know, what's the challenges? Um, you know, what makes something good or bad? You know, like, like how, how do you navigate it? Um, I thought we got really in the weeds at one point on, um, you know, you know, the, the difference between like, trendy bourbon or like a trendy drink to being like a, a company that's just no 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 we're rooted in like a really strong foundation you know what i mean like you know change jack daniels it's jack daniels right like you know and and how do you kind of walk that fine line as a new company so so like i said i think this conversation was intriguing even if you're not, not into um you know running a distillery but just how to navigate you know building a team uh, focusing on localized raising capital just everything that kind of goes into putting your project together. Um, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And we're going to highlight a lot of that in this call. So, um, so again, I appreciate everybody, you know, tuning in. This is episode number two. Um, if you guys don't know, go look at Blackland Distillery right now. You can go Google that. Um, the conversation is coming up here in just a minute. Um, all the music that you're going to hear is from my band back in the day called the sugar people. So you'll you hear the intros and outros and stuff, and then we'll play a full song at the end. Um, but I encourage you guys, if you guys are interested, go to Spotify. Now you can search for the sugar people and you can listen to all the music. And if you are thinking about raising capital, this is your opportunity. Go to pre IPO hype.com right now, go to our book, a call, just get on a call with me. Let's at least chat about it and put a plan together in place for you to raise capital. Um, either this year or next year, but let's at least get that conversation going. Um, all right, everybody. So with all that said, let's go ahead and kick it over to my conversation with Marcus and let's jump in to Blackland Distillery interview.
right? <laughs> or light is on. This is when everybody gets really, really nervous. How are you feeling over there, Marcus? You all right? You okay? I, I'm pretty good. Thanks. <laughs> You're okay. All right. Good. Well, well, why don't we do? Uh, why don't we to kick this off? Uh, why don't you introduce yourself? Kind of tell my listeners, you know, who you are and uh, what your company is. So my name is Marcus Kiprios. I'm the owner and founder of Blackland Distillery, which is located in Fort Worth, Texas. We are a, a grain to glass distillery that makes vodka, gin, bourbon, rye, um, and then we also make a Texas pecan brown sugar bourbon. So that's essentially our lineup. That sounds uh, very tasty. As a, we're recording this on a Friday, uh, but it's in the afternoon. But man, I could uh, could use a drink here in probably a little bit. I gave you a little insight as to why I probably need a drink here a little bit. Well, we won't get into that. So, so kind of kind of tell my listeners a little bit about you know where is the starting point for this? Like, how did you get into this? Talk to me a little bit about kind of the background of of the distillery. I always like to uh, meet other distillers because. Distilling is not a um, major at college. So everyone in the distilling world comes from different backgrounds, right? Mm -hmm. And it makes a lot more sense for brewers because you can homebrew. And I understand how they get into that, but you can't really make moonshine or any type of hard liquor at your house, certainly legally. Uh, You know, they do it in uh, West Virginia and they do it uh, in Tennessee. But... um, it, it's always interesting. So for me, it was that I was actually a lawyer for 15 years. I was a trial attorney, but at night I went to culinary school because I just love food. Mm. And then um, after I graduated, I got into wine and part of the sommelier exam is distilled spirits. So then I went to a number of schools to learn how to make alcohol and I saw it was very much like cooking. Mm. So um, I put a business plan together and uh, left my firm and built the distillery. Wow. Wow. I, I did not know that background. That's that's awesome. So, <laughs> you know, so as you're kind of taking that leap, um, you know, what is kind of the emotion behind that? You know, what are you feeling as you're like, all right, I'm going to leave the law, the law world here and jump into, you know, maybe a potentially a little bit of an unknown um, in your world. But like, how, how did you sort of kind of get the gumption to do that? You know what I mean? To, to take that step. Yeah, I mean, I think anytime anyone leaves a secure job to go open their own business and follow their entrepreneurial spirit, it's a huge leap of faith, Yeah, especially one like this where um, there's so many barriers to entry and uh, it's a capital intensive upfront right. um, market because we have to sit on whiskey for so long, right? Yeah. And age it. Uh, which is probably why there aren't as many distilleries, if you think about it, as there are in the beer wine winery in the United States, right? Um, I just had always had a passion for food and wine. And, uh, and it's just something I wanted to say, I I would regret if I didn't pull the trigger and try it Mm. in my life. And, um, and I did it. And um, it, I don't want to say it's not stressful it's not as stressful as the law it's a different stress sure. being uh, but i like to say that i'm much more popular now than when i was a lawyer like, sure people want to talk to me and yeah. hang out with me because they want to talk about anyone wants to talk about alcohol right, <laughs> right? yeah yeah De- definitely probably more than like i've got a legal problem i'd like to bring to you right you know oh God, yeah. i can't wait for you to contract this let me fix that for you um, yeah that's funny so so you mentioned kind of you know um pretty expensive to kind of get into this like wh- what kind of was your starting point like where did you start to get your feet under you to say all right you know, I need X amount kind of, or just kind of put that business plan together of just like, all right, location, I want to be here. I want to start here. Like, like how, like how to kind of walk us through like maybe that, that back work that you did to, to get to get that foundation built. So it's it, just to give you an idea, I graduated when I finished my wine education, um, that was like 2012. And that's when I started going to different spirit schools to try and understand the scope of what this would be, because, um, it's a lot of work. And again, going back to like a brewery, you can buy all the equipment and turnkey it and start it and start making beer tomorrow. There's no turnkey operation for a distillery. You have to source the equipment from all over the world. Hmm. Um, and you have to build out all of the piping, the process piping and, and everything and get different parts. And so, um, it took me about six years to really put the business plan together, find the space, um, get the money lined up, 
and have the vision secure. You know, if you look at our, like, even our bottles, which are custom, mm. um, that was like a nine to 12 month process to build, to get the mold for the bottle, figure out what you want. So it was just a lot of investment of time, yeah. you know, five years minimum to put that all together. And then another year and a half to build the actual distillery hmm. and a little bit longer even to build our tasting room, which um, if you've ever seen pictures on the internet, it's, it's not like your typical um, tasting room for a distillery. It's more like a cocktail lounge. It's sophisticated. It's dark. It's intimate. We're reservation only on Friday, Saturday, because it's so cool and popular and, but that's what the brand is. We're trying to elevate everything we do, elevate craft. Our tagline is elevating spirits and standards. And so that's all part of it because the tasting room and not to get off topic here is, is really sort of the gateway and the educational piece for the brand. Right. And so it's really important, but all of it's important. The distillery is important. The tasting room is important. Um, the uh, barrel room is important. Like the bottling room is important. It's all interconnected. So yeah. it took a lot of time is my long answer. Right. right. And, and how did you, uh, you know, source or find maybe team members for this? I know that can be challenging for almost any startup, but just, you know, how are you finding that master distiller? How are you finding maybe marketing people? Just whatever it is. How are you putting this team together um, at this stage of the game to, to get to where you are right now? Uh, yeah, uh, you're right. It's hard. There's not a ton of people with distilling experience on the production floor, right? And right. then our equipment specifically is state of the art that we purchased from the Netherlands. So anyone who was, um, you know, most a lot of this equipment is antiquated and the same. If you go to Kentucky, you'll see 50 different distilleries, then they're all using the same equipment, right? They've all sourced from Germany. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I a lot of my production are, are former uh, brewery people because that just makes sense. That's close, right? Right. Um, and then sales is hard too because um, we get a lot of wine sales because there's not as much spirit sales. But along those same lines, yeah, you just have to pe find people in the alcohol industry, right? Mm -hmm. And then kind of hone in and teach them about our brand. Right. 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 And. And you're in Texas, right? Right. I don't know if we, we, I think we mentioned that. Like you're. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm in Fort Worth, Texas. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, and somebody, I, I was in a little bit of this world up here in Michigan. How, how much did you have to navigate just the distribution side of this equation of and the rules around when and where the stuff can be shipped and sent? And like, was that was that a challenging thing too with, with the state of Texas, or is that actually an easier thing? No, I think, well, we're in, we're distributed in 12 states in the United Kingdom. And I would just say that all alcohol laws are antiquated dating back to prohibition. Right. Okay. And I, I sort of have this saying, like, if you own, if you build or are the owner of a winery, you're sophisticated. And if you own a, a brewery, you're cool. Um, and if you own a distillery, then you're a money launderer or someone in the mob. <laughs> and I just say that because that's obviously not true, but that is the stigma sometimes that dates back to uh, the 20s and 30s of what hard liquor distilled spirits was, right? And now, now it's changed quite a bit since sure. then. But we still have the rules and regulations in place from that. And so it's much harder, whether that's, to your point, distribution. Um, like he, even here in Texas, um, you know, we're supposed to be a very conservative pro-business state. Uh, but you you can't go into a grocery store and buy liquor. You can't buy liquor on Sundays. We still have the blue laws. Whereas I can go to another state and buy liquor anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. And right. And so um, I think there's a lot of red tape and bureaucracy when it comes to alcohol uh, that we're still getting through in 2024. Thankfully for me, like everyone has strengths and weaknesses. Being a lawyer has really helped me sure. um, with that in that aspect. Uh, and so we've been able to probably grow pretty quickly and navigate that and get to all of these markets because of it, but th it's very time consuming. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, up here, I, I've worked in the brewery world quite a bit and just mm -hmm. getting that distribution and who can sell what, and then, oh, you know, who's at this, uh, festival and their permits a little bit different and the, the kegs literally have to be moved by this, this distributor, right? Just, like, they just literally have to be moved, <laughs> you know, they're like, what? right. You know, right. What are you talking about? And it's some rule. Antiquated um, laws. You're Antiquated like, laws. What is happening? And you got to navigate it. And uh, that's why when I was like, man, kind of had some 
PTSD around some of my own conversations. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh, this world is just. Uh, yeah, so you know, so you guys have also won quite a bit of awards. Maybe talk through a little <clears> bit around, you know, as the comp- as the distillery is kind of growing and you're getting some recognition. Like, like what is that process of, you know, getting that name out there so that and winning that award or or getting in that magazine or, or whatever it is? Just kind of walk us through that process a little bit. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a lot of what I call brand awareness, right? And um, we make we win a lot of awards because one, we make really high quality alcohol and two, we have great packaging, right? So that's a differentiator for us, but both of those combined are, are usually hard. And I think some of our success, and I say this is there's, <laughs> there's a lot of mediocre alcohol on the market. And so <laughs> the baseline, I think for you to do great things is not that bad. If you're putting out, it's not that difficult if you're putting out really great alcohol, right? Um, and so I think that's been a, a really good key for our success because we also have a great price point. We try and say we have great packaging, great liquor, and a great price point to give everyone a reason to say yes and, and never a reason to say no. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we've won a ton of awards. Um, those those also to me are a little bit because of the, all of that. But sometimes I scratch my head because I think that those are a little bit of a marketing gimmicks mm. and that, you know, it's... Uh, I, pay me X amount of money to come out here and then let's win this award and then you can't. And so um, there are definitely legitimate um, competitions that we enter our spirits in. And those are the ones I gravitate towards. And then there are a lot of, oh, it's the, uh, no offense to Cleveland, but it's like the Cleveland whiskey competition of the world, right? And you're like, okay, uh, we're going to pass on that one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I was always blown away too. That's the same thing that, that, I just didn't realize in the music business how much it was that too. Like you can win yeah. the award. It's $4,500 um, and you, you know, you have your, your yeah. PR person pay it. You're going to write yeah. your press release and then you get this award and you're like, I lived my whole life thinking that like, I just wanted this award and it's, I just had to pay for it. <laughs> I was can I say it. though that, that they're effective though, in terms yeah. of, cause the general public doesn't care. All they see is like, oh, a gold medal, a double yeah, gold. Exactly. Oh, well, yeah. that's then this must be good, right? Yeah, and yeah. so um, I get both sides of it. I do, I do too. But no, it's, yeah, I just, like, it was one of those ones where I was like, I grew up my whole life thinking I had to win like a Detroit Music Award or whatever. And I was like, man, right. I that. you know, I just had to pay for it. I could have paid for it. Like, you know, <laughs> oh, okay. I just thought I had to do, yeah. I thought I was waiting for some gatekeeper to open some magical door for me. Like yes. Yeah. Yes. So, I want to talk a little bit around, you know, the sh- kind of the, the the palette maybe that you have, the chef world that you you know that that you got into. You know, when you're, I guess, in the distilling world or you're or coming up with it, are you thinking food and combinations with with drinks at all? Or you know, I know obviously in the wine world you have that the pairings and all that stuff, but in in this world, do you think along those lines too? Of like, man, the the um, you know, the 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 pecan brown sugar bourbon would really go well with insert you know and do you think along those lines at all yeah i think you have to um for a couple of reasons one we approach everything from a culinary perspective here because you're cooking grain and then you're filtering and you're imparting flavor on it right so the flavor is really what's in the bottle is the most important thing but two in this business the most important thing is um on premise meaning bars restaurants hotels and getting on a cocktail menu that's how you really create volume that way because yeah. you can get on a shelf, but you can also just sit there and collect dust. Sure. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you want to have great cocktails and you want to be on the cocktail menu. And so you have to create a spirit and you have to actually create cocktails and special recipes that you can give to bartenders and the service um, team out there, wherever they are, so that they will get excited about it. Mm. And they're like, Oh, I really like this. You should try this. Have you tried this black land? Have you tried this Texas pecan brown sugar bourbon? Um, and that's really the only way, um, to really see like significant turn over time. And you're investing in those people to then become sort of brand ambassadors for you right out into the world. So yes, we think about it a lot. If you come to our tasting room, we change it quarterly just based on seasonality and freshness. Mm-hmm. Um, I incentivize my tasting room staff for new cocktails. And then we take those cocktails out into the world and we push them. Because the other thing is a lot of people um, want to be given 
recipes and they want to be given the ideas. They don't want to have to me present a spirit to them and they go, what am I supposed to do with this? Right, right. Right. So yes, I think the culinary aspect to it has been great for us. And, um, and it's a big part of the brand. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it feels like in, in your world here, you've got, it's just such a huge mountain to climb in terms of what you just mentioned there, just getting like bartenders to think about your cocktail that you might've made. Right. Where is like that first step? You know, you mentioned kind of local, but let's say you want to get past that next level. Like how, how do you look at this, you know, globe and go, you know what, we're just going to focus here and here. And that'll be growth for right now. And not try to get, you know, too big and go, Oh, we, we got to get up to Washington, Oregon. And we don't actually have the support there. Right. We don't really have right. the other infrastructure to really go there. So, so when you're mapping out this plan, how do you kind of think region and think what our team can really handle right now and, and be probably realistic about stuff right and not go everybody should have it right well i can't get there to you know um yeah i i, I think that's right i think that's 100 percent right so one i mean you're just battling for market share right you're battling for shelf space and so that's the fight um and it's much easier to get on a retail shelf like a liquor store or grocery store because they're they make money by buying and selling Right. Whereas uh, on premise, on the bars and restaurants and hotels, your shelf space is much more limited and it's yeah. a much harder, more competitive fight. So um, one, you have to differentiate yourself, which is what we do with the bottle and the liquid. Two, um, you have to do something special. Right. Why is this whiskey? Why is this bourbon? Why is this rye different? Why is this Texas pecan brown sugar bourbon different now? The Texas pecan brown sugar bourbon, which is our bestseller, has pushed us into new worlds um, because it is so different and so unique. So we have gone and, and pushed out of Texas and gotten distribution and seen sales because that alone is a grabber where people are like, OK, I want to try that. Everyone's always looking for something new. Right? Sure, right. So that's what's pushed us out into new markets. But even in the new markets, we try and stay close to those right now with states that have sort of a Texas tie or that is, is connected to Texas. So when you look at Texas, we're in New Mexico and Arizona and Oklahoma and Kansas and Missouri and Arkansas and um, then the South, right? We're mm -hmm. sort of mushrooming out that way yeah. um, because there are either a lot of people that come to Texas or they used to live in Texas or vice versa. Um, and, and then you just have the great demand for bourbon in general. Um, people are always wanting to try bourbon. They're always wanting to try new whiskeys. Um, and so, so you kind of balance that of, okay, I want to win my home state, but I also want to spread it out if the demand is there. Sure. And, and the Texas pecan brown sugar bourbon has really pushed us and has been our bell cow um, mm -hmm. for new markets. Yeah. Yeah. Where's the fine line in all of this, like distilling world of too gimmicky and not, um, like not original, like this is, you know, we're old school bourbon or whatever it is. Right. Oh, and then also like trying something new, right? Like it feels like you can, you can push this boundary. You could come up with some crazy, you know, I don't even know. Right. Like gummy bear bourbon. I don't know, whatever it might be. Something right, just completely right. wild. And everybody's like, yeah, right. something new. And then it's like, Oh, it's all sweet and nasty. And it's like, you know, it's not what I, you know, but then, then you have this traditionalist vibe who's like, Oh no, no, I want my Kentucky bourbon. Right. You know, like, like it feels like that fine line could, like you could step over it and like shoot yourself in the foot without even knowing like, no, 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 we were just trying something, you know, and, you know, and hurt the brand and all that sort of stuff. It feels like a yes. real pull, um, you know, as a, in your position there. So, yeah, that's a great, great observation. I think a couple of things. One, you have to stay true to the brand that you are. You can't just start releasing a bunch of lines, right? Even sure. for us with the Texas pecan brown sugar bourbon, which is blasphemy because it is a flavored bourbon by the traditionalist, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. Even if you look, it's it's a, it's one of the more expensive flavored bourbons on the market for us because we try to elevate craft across the board. So it still has our bottle. It still has. We we took that and we said, the world wants flavored whiskey, whether the traditionalists like it or not. That's what people are buying. So let's yeah. try and elevate that and make a good quality. Um, flavored whiskey as opposed to like a fireball or uh, a crown apple or a screwball. Right. 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 But, and you can criticize those whiskeys all you want all day, but fireball, I think was the third 
best-selling whiskey in the world a couple of years ago. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. that guy's on an island laughing at all of us somewhere. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the one my so, mom grabs when you're like, cool, mom. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. it's the Christmas gift one. She, so how, however it gets into a non there it is, Jeff, here's your Christmas present. That's exactly right. Thanks. So, <laughs> you know. the, the, but you know, the traditionalists have a loud voice and they believe that, you know, the best bourbon comes from Kentucky and only Kentucky, and they're going to go on their message boards and they're going to run around and try and find Blanton's all day, which is a whiskey that I like quite a bit. Yeah. But the reality is, is they are a minority voice, or I should say a minority buyer in the whiskey world. Yeah. And um, even right now with the trends you look at, I mean, the hottest trends in alcohol, just say like tequilas are super hot right now, right? Yep. Um, these RTD can ready to drink canned cocktails are super yep. hot right now. Yep. Um, and then I would say to um, flavored whiskey. I mean, it is just if you go down the aisles right now and look, and it's not just there because distillers are making it for fun or because they're trying to be different and throwing stuff at the wall. They're making it because that's what people are buying. And so you just have to be aware of the market. Right. You know, it's funny you mentioned the, uh, like the cocktail can things, right? That, that, Mm -hmm. you know, how do you also try not to like, just jump on a trend just to jump on a trend, you know, and all again, you know, how do you kind of see something and go, it's not really our brand. How, How do you put those pillars in to say, this is our brand, this is it. And great. Everybody's doing a flavored cocktail drink thing. We just, that's just not us. Like, you know, how do you kind of make those decisions? Yeah. So, um, that we will, we'll never do. I, 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 I don't like to say never, but, um, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's just not something that is consistent with what we're trying to create and the brand we're trying to make for like a ready to drink cocktail. Right. People ask me all the time. Um, uh, we ever do tequila. I won't because I'm not, because tequila has to be made, um, in Mexico in the specific region of Jalisco, and I'm not going to rely on a third party for my spirit if one day something bad happens. Right. Sure. But, mm-hmm. um, the other part about trends are, okay. Um, you know, that a thousand people are going to jump on the trend and then it's going to get saturated. So you, what you really have to decide in those regards is does it have legs? Yeah. So for me as a, in this, someone in this world, I think tequila has legs. I think tequila is not going away. The problem with tequila is there's a thousand brands and, but only 20 of them are selling, uh, because those have the good celebrities <laughs> and not the bad celebrities. <laughs> and that's what people want. It's the other 980. I don't know. You know, it, it, this is a time business I'm not saying they won't make it. It just is going to take a lot longer yeah. to get where they want to be with a high quality tequila. I, the, the ready to drink market for me is a younger generation of a quick grab and go. And I want something and I don't want to, I don't care about my alcohol and I don't want to deal with it. That to me is a much bigger fad that I don't think has legs, um, 10 years from now, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I just was, who are the celebs that are pushing bourbons right now? Oh, the good ones or the bad ones? I mean, I guess I'm thinking about, I've got a fairly well-stocked cabinet myself. I also have a bourbon and cigar club for my boys. I can't think of any, like, I I just pick them up based on like either a price point or a bottle, but it's never like Tom Brady's pushing this bourbon. And I, you know what I mean? And they might exist. I just don't think my eyes are like attuned to it. As soon as you mentioned tequila, I'm like, you know, I, I thought of a million people, TV shows and, you know, I'm thinking entourage. I mean, there was like a ton of that, but is that what's going on in bourbon world for this? Oh, I think they're there. I just think it's less important to the bourbon buyer as yeah. it is compared to the tequila buyer. I think you're right. But, you know, I'm think of the most, they have them. Matthew McConaughey was with Wild Turkey Long Branch and then they just separated. Um Every, I feel like every Yellowstone character has a bourbon, but it's not doing anything right now. <laughs> Good one. Yes. yes, you're right. You're right. But I didn't watch Yellowstone, so that's pro- you know over my head. I didn't even think about that one. You, know? I, you don't. I mean, it was good, but it. I laugh every time a, a new bit character comes out with a, a bourbon or whatever. Right, you yeah. know, but, but I I say this too. Like, I'll give you ten great celebrities who parlay their brand power and following and turn it into something 
great for the brand. And then I'll give you a hundred who just want to put their face on an ad or on social media with the brand, don't do any work for the brand. And now the brand has lost a bunch of money, even if they pay them on the back end yeah. and it doesn't go anywhere. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have to put the work in. Yeah. Um, and uh, there are some celebrities that are do that do most do not. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a name on a label and a marketing mm -hmm. ploy, and then it's just done and they didn't really, they're not really in the, in the world of it. Um, yeah. God, yeah. That, that world, that's, that's <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, so I, I guess like, so when you guys are, you know, thinking about 2024, you're, you know, you're thinking about like, what's keeping you up at night? What is the, you know, that this is our big mountain that we're trying to climb this year and, 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 that, and, and where your worry is. Uh, no, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, I think you have to be a little bit of a narcissist in general to, to decide that you want to get into this world and that you can compete with some global brands like the Tito's and Jack Daniels of the world who have unlimited funds, right. but you're still competing for shelf space with them. So that yeah. always worries me in terms of how do we continue to grow and get more shelf space um, when we're surrounded by these global powers, if you will, and the yeah. alcohol. No, yeah, they're massive. Yeah. yeah, they're massive. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I worry about, and I've always worried about it, but it hasn't quite come to fruition yet, just the consuming public. Because um, one, I think we, as we get older, like there's more emphasis on health. Um, I always wonder too, what are the competitors to alcohol? Um, and so there's also a bunch of, as we get into this world of THC and CBD and uh, micro dosing and all of this type of thing, that always worries me. Yeah. Um, but, and I always just worry, like people are going to stop drinking sure. but so far. None of that has really happened yet. Yeah. Well, <laughs> as somebody who had a damp January is, I believe my term, uh, that I was using, like, I was uh -huh. like, I'm going to have a lighter boy. There's some days where you're like, I got to have that guy. I need to go have a bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. 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 <laughs> you try hard, but it tastes very good sometimes. It tastes very good. Well, I count on that in January. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, I guess, you know, maybe going back to maybe like, you know, what what was like, was there moments that you had that like with, you know, having a great bourbon or, you know, as you're kind of going through college and just that like moments that you've thought, man, I really need to get deeper into this. Right. You know what I mean? Like, was, was there like, do you have like a couple stories where you're like, man, I just, that, that moment kind of brought me into this, like that you can kind of tie these two worlds together from your past. To well, my mom was a flight attendant growing up at American and, or she worked for American and then she got into like the corporate part of it. And so, mm -hmm. um, we would travel a lot like on D2 passes back then mm -hmm. and all of our trip, even for a day we would go cause to like San Francisco or New York, right? Yeah. I was very fortunate, but it was always around food. It was always, let's go to this restaurant and let's go to that restaurant, which really influenced me as a, a kid about, wow, this is what food is supposed to taste like. And this is can be just a, an experience more than just sustenance, right? Um, and that always influenced me. And so I always say this again, is sort of just a culmination of my passion for food and wine from culinary school to wine to distilled spirit school. It is the totality of that, of just me falling in love with all of it and the experience and how um, enjoyable a cocktail can be in so many different settings, right? Uh, and so that really is just kind of how I've gotten here. I feel like it's a, my whole life has sort of led me to this distillery in that regard. Right. Yeah. And that's sort of the passion for it. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. My, uh, my longtime girlfriend, her mom was a flight attendant and it, it was amazing that she'd be in one, basically just kind of the same story. She would fly to Chicago in one day, fly to Atlanta, eat at a restaurant yeah. and then fly home. Right. And it just, as, a, as somebody just dating her in high school and, and, and past, like just to have that, understanding of flavor and the world a scope of the world too right just completely right. different than just you know the guy who just doesn't leave from the high school town right and right um, and then being able to 
kind of advance that palette and understand that there is this whole other world out there. It, that's a big step for a lot of people that they just, a lot of people don't get that opportunity. It, 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 it can, you know, but it really does shape a lot of stuff, um, you know, you know, in your life. It sounds like it did the same thing to you. It did. Yeah. Um, and that's why it gets me excited to go to work every day too. Right. Yeah. And some of my favorite parts of this job are when we do like a pairing dinner or we get to go to a really nice restaurant or I get to meet a chef that I've respected for so many years and get to do a collaboration that way. That gets me really excited. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, now are you like when you have parties, are you the, the one that cooks all the time? Like, do you, are you the one that handles all cooking? <laughs> you know, what's funny is my wife also went to culinary school. Oh, and nice. what we learned from that is that we cannot be in the kitchen together. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's kind of her domain and mm -hmm. I let it happen. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I took the reins in my world of it. Uh, my wife is a vegetarian and I don't even know if she has taste buds though. Uh, and then my kids, yeah. if, if there's literally salt and pepper, it's too spicy dad. And, and I'm uh, like, what are you talking about? So I basically make gigantic meals for myself. And then so we have a lot of friends over as the, the, the one who owns the chef world in, in my world. Cause nice. Uh, it blows me away. I'm like, God, how can you not? Th this is the best thing ever. And my kids, it's spicy. It's like, <laughs> literally flavor. I get it. Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. So I guess walk me through maybe what are kind of big goals for this year? Um, like what, where do you guys kind of see like, Hey, we're trying to hit the, these milestones this year. Um, you know, what's the, what's the big things on the plate? So yeah, a couple things. Um, we're always trying to grow our, our reach. Uh, really this year, it's sort of a refocus on, our number one market of Texas, even though we're in all of these other states and we'll still continue to push and support those states. But um, it's such a big driver for us because, you know, whether, whatever you think about Texas, love or hate Texas, Texas has a stigma to it. And so the great thing about Texas outside and really here is everyone supports Texas. Um, and so it's, it's just sort of our base and we spend a lot of time on that. Mm -hmm. Um and then we always listen if, you know, we have e-commerce now, which is really exciting. We just launched it in November that hits about 42 states and that's done really well. And from that, we can see like, oh, where's the interest? Uh, I say that, for instance, because by far our number one market outside of Texas on e-commerce right now is Ohio. We haven't figured out why. We haven't yeah. figured out like where, what the draw is. I would have even thought of that. I have no idea. Yeah. yeah. I don't know why I made that Cleveland joke earlier. But, <laughs> oh, no. Um... <laughs> I'll, I'll edit it out. <laughs> but they are crushing it. So we, we love Ohio. But um, it's just things like that, which is good because then you can say, okay, let's do some more marketing. Let's do some more um, support that way. And the other thing is we have a, we try and release something new and something different. And we use our tasting room for that um, just to sort of get a feel as a lab. But uh, next month we're releasing something called Texpresso whiskey, which is actually our Texas pecan brown sugar bourbon mixed with coffee. Oh, interesting. Um, it's almost like an espresso martini in a bottle and it's crushed it in the tasting room. Everybody loves it. So we scaled it, we have the bottle and then that, that'll be coming out, um, next month. So we're excited about that too. That's nice. That's nice. And then, you know, what, what do you guys put as like, you know, milestones for, for any distillery, basically, you know, like what's a five-year plan typically 10 years plan? How do distilleries kind of envision this future? Um, so for me, I don't know about the others, yeah. <laughs> but for me, I, there's two things that I care about. One is anecdotal and one is real. The anecdotal mm -hmm. one is, or what I call, you know, the less, um, really important in the big scheme of things is I like to grow our social media presence and make sure we have a ton of followers and that we're engaged and that, and, <clears throat> and we, we talk about it daily and we spend time and money on it, but we're the ninth largest distillery in Texas now. And uh, we're trying to just take out everyone above us. The problem is, is that like, it's hard to catch Tito's, which is number one in Texas. Uh, and then Deep Eddie's number two. And then we have some long-standing people who have been here forever, like Garrison and another one called Balcones, which Diageo just bought. These all, all of these have national distribution at this yeah. point. Um, but we've, for, for when we started to where we are, we've grown substantially and we are on the upswing and 
Um, so I spend a lot of time on that as a metric to make sure, okay, we're adding, we're getting involved people along with our e-commerce. Now we spend a lot of time on that. And then <clears throat> case totals, that's all you hear in this industry. How many cases can you sell? How many cases can you, um, what's that? That's the measuring stick for the size of the distillery that you are. Mm. Um, and so we are, we're right now handling about, uh, outputting about 8,000 cases of 12 bottles. So figure a little bit close to a hundred thousand bottles a year. Um, the, the, the metric is to try and always double that. Like if you can, <laughs> um, the magic number I think is like 30,000 cases. Wow. That's always been the magic number that I've, I've looked for. And that's where we are now. So, yeah. um, we're getting there and it's just how quickly can we get there? Right. Right. Um, and, and so I remember this in the brewery world tends to be uh, very friendly amongst brewers, right? The, like real community driven and we're trying this or partnership brews. Does that exist in the distillery space or is it a little bit more cutthroat or a little bit more like, you know, island uh, ask? I think it's a little bit more cutthroat. Um, and, but I will say that I'm friends. I am friends with the distilleries that make good alcohol. Mm-hmm. If I respect them, I want to be their friend and I want to help them and I want to work with them. If, if they're making what I call mediocre to subpar alcohol, I want nothing to do with them because sure. also, because, um, I think also just in general, Texas is a little bit behind the mark because everyone always is comparing themselves to Kentucky bourbon. Hmm. And I think that's fair because they've been the gold standard, but, um, we're a pretty young whiskey industry here in Texas. I mean, the, the oldest whiskey distillery in Texas is 2008. And so when you compare that to Kentucky and Tennessee and even then go to Ireland and Scotland, right? It's really new. And the climate plays such a role in the final outcome of the whiskey. Mm. I think it's taken Texas a little bit of time to figure out what works and Mm. how to make great whiskey. And we can make great whiskey here. Uh, But we've put out a lot of mediocre whiskey in the meantime. And so... I think we need to keep pushing and raising the standards, which is what we're trying to do. And there's some really good distilleries here. And so I'm friends with those people. Gotcha. Yeah. Very cool. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. It's good friends to probably be in, uh, in companionship with there. You know what I mean? Check on them, you know? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Well, let's flip a little bit. Let's, let's, let's not talk about uh, alcohol, which is challenging, but uh, we'll try here. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what are you watching on the old streaming? What, what's, what's, what's caught your fancy the last few weeks here? Oh, I watch everything. I'm one of those. Like I try and get through it all. So I, on Netflix, I watch all these, all the sports, you know, documentaries from F1 to the tennis, to the golf that's all come out now. Like I, I love all of those shows. Um, but then I watch trash too. Like I watch, uh, love is blind on Netflix. I'll watch, um, same for Amazon Prime and Apple. Anything that's like in the top ten, I'll watch. Do you do you, do you have something that has caught your eye recently? Uh, I'm about to finish up Fargo on Hulu, uh, season five. It's been excellent. You know, very very good. Um, uh, and then I'm going to move into True Detective, the newest one on that. After yes. this one, uh, I just started that. It's yeah. got more of like a, a mystery feel to it this yeah. time, like a science fiction feel to it. Yep. Yep. That's what I saw. So uh, that one's coming next. Yeah. And then we just finished up um, Love on the Spectrum, which was excellent. We powered through all those. Those are like the feel good, just light, like, oh, you know, stressful day. And I don't really need to watch anybody getting murdered tonight. Um, <laughs> you know, let's just keep it a little lighter. Right. Um, yes. So that's good. Uh, and then the other one we, other light watch was Dairy Girls. Um, it's like a show of like four girls in, in, um, in Ireland going to school and stuff and it's just light and super funny and like not serious at all so you know i haven't even heard of that one but i'll yeah. i'll look for it <laughs> yeah. um yeah how about uh how about like um publications that you might read maybe like you know for like business stuff you know like are you on any like like you know newsletters or or content that you kind of subscribe to um on on like social media and things not as much um there's a group called ADI American distilling Institute. They have a magazine that comes out. I spend a lot of time like looking at their stuff, right? That, that mm-hmm. stuff is 
uh, and they have conferences and things, but, um, there's also a distillers forum, like an ADI forum, like for questions and Hey, let's not reinvent the wheel here. Yeah, but that's really about it, and like okay. the business publications. Okay, okay. How about podcasts? Are you listening? You uh, consume any podcasts? Um, recently, I haven't really. I mean, the the only podcast I did was I listened to was Serial uh, when yeah. that came out, and uh, um, I kind of got involved as when I was a lawyer in that. So, um, but but since then, no. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I think I wonder how much uh, like COVID kind of, I don't drive anywhere now. I work from home. I don't have like, I don't have that 30 minutes, 40 minutes of a car ride half the time. I just don't have it. So I don't, I don't, I don't yeah. listen to it either um, anymore. I used to, I used to dig them a lot. Um, how about books? You read any books? Yeah, but I read a lot of uh, like self-help motivational books. <laughs> oh, I'm in that world. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Right. Just try and stay positive and try and uh, be a better person type thing. That's that's kind of where I gravitate towards. What about you? Uh, Book wise right now, um, it's really nothing. Like I actually took a little bit of a break. I feel like, yeah, like I read a lot of the Tim Ferriss stuff and um, there's and then what was the other one? Um, Steal Like an Artist was an interesting one that I read. And at some point I felt like I got a little overload of like, all right listen, I just need to go do other stuff. Like I need to actually do stuff and not, you know, think about all of this other stuff and be like, Oh, I did it wrong. And just move on. Just, just get stuff done, you know, um, and just kind of move forward. So right now I'm actually kind of a little bit on ice, uh, with that stuff. Um, it's, go it's all time hard. consuming, right? It's prioritizing and getting to do what you want. And I totally get it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, Marcus, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. Why don't you tell my listeners, again, links to go to? Where where should people go? Hey, they're interested. They want to learn more. Where, where should we send people? Well, um, you can always go to our website, which is uh, blacklandfw.com. So Fort Worth, okay. blacklandfw.com. And then uh, we also have uh, our Instagram page is our, our best social media, which is uh, Blackland, at Blackland Distillery. And, um, and everything funnels actually back to the website so you can see it. But we have a great website. You can see kind of uh, not just the spirits that we make, but you can get a good idea into uh, the tasting room and we have some videos about it. It's uh, it's cool. It's worth checking out. Very cool. Very cool. Um, you know, one thing just popped in my mind here. I, are, do you, how does like the bourbon clubs work? Like I, I am a subscriber. I get like a new bottle every two months or so. How do you like? Is that something that you, like, how do those work? Um, yeah, we're not a we're actually not even a member of any of those. We should be. <laughs> yeah, is that, is that what it, I don't even know how you like I don't know why I get I basically signed up. I'm like, here's my preference and then a bottle shows up. A lot of those work where they'll come to us and they'll say, "Hey, we're going to put you in this bourbon club and we're going to guarantee you that we're going to give you distribution for X amount and can we buy your alcohol for this amount?" Okay. And that, so that, <laughs> then it's like, do I want to give the haircut for the, that's always the question though, every yeah. day, do I want to give the haircut for this? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Got you. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That just popped in my head too. I was like, oh yeah, I forgot. I get a bourbon every like other <laughs> yeah. shows up, you know? Um, yeah. One of the, the club things. So cool. Well, awesome. Like I said, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. Um, you know, this is, uh, it's exciting to kind of learn about what you guys are doing, learning more about the distillery world. Um, I think you guys have an amazing product and yes, Thank I think you. you guys did a really good job on the bottle. It, it It's an eye catcher, right? You know? Um, so I think spending that time on it was, was really, really good. And uh, yeah, I wish you nothing but success in 2024 and, uh, and beyond. And uh, again, appreciate, appreciate you taking time out of your day. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It was a, a, Great time talking to you. Awesome. All right. Thanks. All right. How about that conversation? I told you guys we got into the weeds. I think we had a really, really good conversation. Marcus, again, I appreciate you taking time out of your day and and uh, chatting with me and letting my listeners learn a little bit more about Blackland and what you guys are up to. So super, super excited for this conversation. Hey, everybody. Like I said before, if you're thinking about raising capital, go to pre-IPO Hype dot com right now read our blog subscribe to this podcast become a listener get in our newsletter lots of valuable valuable information and if you don't want to do that go follow me on tiktok go to venzel wenzel that's venzel wenzel like you know almost like it sounds like a uh, 
90s, uh, maybe a metal band, Venzo Wenzel. Just go search that. Everywhere else you can search for Fuzzy Wenzel. Don't ask. I don't. I used to have a. I, I don't know why my TikTok. I can't get back to my Fuzzy Wenzel TikTok. I have to use Venzo Wenzel. But yeah, so go search there. A lot of content coming off of me. Uh, we want to get you guys educated. Make sure you guys know what you're getting into. So with all that said, make sure you guys tune in next week for another episode. Uh, we're going to be talking to a company called Aroki next week. Uh, we'll have that podcast for you. That'll be episode three. And uh, all right, let's go ahead and listen to some sugar people. And um, hope you guys are well. And look forward to talking to you guys all next week.
it. You're still here? Go home. This podcast is over. We're done. See you all next week.